Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week kicks off another themed month here at the Cinema Catch-Up Club, and this month's theme is foreign language films. That's right, films that are not predominantly in English, and indeed are produced in countries that are not the United States, Australia, Great Britain, English-speaking countries of that nature. And we're kicking it off with a film that is pretty consistently up there on the list of best-ever foreign language films, 1988's Cinema Paradiso, coming to us from Italy. So, as always, we have somebody who has seen the film and someone who has not. And our guest who has not seen the film is Dr. Carmen Doley. How are you, Carmen? I'm good, thanks, Stephen. How are you? I'm pretty good. You have never seen Cinema Paradiso. Never seen it. Neither have I. So we're both <laughs> in this, this very similar boat. Uh, what, what do you actually know about the film? Literally nothing. I believe it must be in Italian. Mm-hmm. It does not, in fact, star Rick Mayall and Adrian Emerson. No, sadly, it is not. Uh, it, it's not the. I, um, is it what the, the guest yeah, house? I, guest yeah, house I keep getting it confused with Guest House Paradiso, which is yeah. really not on the list of best films ever. No, um, no, really, really is not. But still, you know, anything with Rick Mayall and Ed Emerson <laughs> is good fun. Is um, that the one where they've got the hooks in, yes, in the nose? Yeah, in Adrian Emerson's nose, the and one, there's, there's yeah. a big vomity scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I assume this film doesn't have them. Uh, maybe, not. maybe yeah. to tell us that our guest who has seen the film and uh, uh, your other half, Carmen, it is Mr. Jason Doley. Hello, how are you guys? Pretty good. Yeah, good, good. good. And from memory, I'm pretty sure there's no hooky nosy things mm. in this. Good. That's, a, that's a start. That I can remember. So in a, in a, I suppose in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, um, what, what can you tell us about Cinema Parody? So It's essentially a um, coming of age film, I'd say. And it's a bit of a kind of love letter to cinema as well in a better way than which is probably why it got so many awards and so much recognition at the time because if you think the shape of water and hugo those films kind of about films Mm. in a way it fits very much into that in fact it probably could be as far as i know it's probably one of the bigger biggest versions of that but at the same time nobody's really ever watched it unless you're a mad uh, cinemaphile or cinema fan, I found. Mm. Like, had you really ever heard of it before this? Not Angel? really. No, no. I'd, I'd heard of it um, and was aware that it was a, a filmmaker's film, a film about film, a mm. filmy film that filmed. Yeah. But beyond that, I I know very little about it uh, aside from you know the the time period that it's set in and the fact, obviously, it's in Italy. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual story or plot elements or characters mm. i know i'm a blank canvas i know nothing about this yeah no it's um it's it's good still and i think it it deserves a it's weird because it's gotten a lot of recognition like it is on top of a lot of people's like top foreign language films mm. but like outside of when it came out in 1988 and like a few quick releases in the early 2000s, it just doesn't get talked about or heard about. Yeah. To be honest, the more I hear the phrase Cinema Paradiso, it's more to do with the fact there is a cinema called Cinema Paradiso here in Perth. Yeah. There um, is, yes. Yeah, looking it up, you'll find that first, especially yeah. when you're searching from here. Yeah, so it's... um, Yeah, but it, but also like the phrase Cinema Paradiso and the fact, you know, we have Guest House Paradiso mm. obviously means that it is... Um, it's worked its way into the zeitgeist and uh, it probably had an effect. Now, this is a foreign language film, so mm. we are watching a, a subtitled version of this film. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to people's opinions on sub versus dub and things of that nature. Um, but just before we go in, uh, foreign languages yourselves, are either of you um, fluent or capable of speaking in languages that are not English? 
Uh, I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I used to live in Germany, mm-hmm. so I can speak German. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ja, ich kann. Ah, ja. Yeah. Um, That's the limit of my journey. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That and, um, okay, this is something that I I did a couple of years of German at high school. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if this is true or not. And I haven't gone onto Google Translate to check. Mm -hmm. Is it true or am I misremembering? What is the German word for a protractor? I never used one. <laughs> I don't know. What What do you think it is? My memory is that it's called a Winkelmesser. A Winkelmesser? Yeah. Okay, Messer means... Does it mean knife or pen? It's Messer like... means pet knife. Yeah. Um, and, you know, protractors... Yeah, something knife. A Winkel knife, basically. Yeah, whatever Winkel means. So... Look, it, it could be It could literally wrong. mean like turning knife or something. It could be. But yeah, just because I, you went German and I went back to those German lessons, I remember <laughs> I remember the following things, you know, uh, counting to 10. Yeah. Uh, I remember saying uh, nothing special is along the lines of nicht besonders. Yes. Or, yeah, roughly. Nicht besonders. Nicht besonders. Thank you. Uh, and then, yeah, the word Winkelmesser. And <laughs> obviously, you know, as a 12 year old, I was like, hee, that yeah. sounds funny. <laughs> Um, cool. So I might I might Google that while we're while we're doing this it. Film. Yeah, yeah. And we should. That probably... should be the first thing we say as soon as we come back in like yeah. twenty seconds. Excellent. All right. Well, for those of you listening at home, uh, we are going to jump into the cinema paradiso. So uh, pop in your DVDs and uh, get Google Translate out to find out <laughs> protractor in other languages of your choice uh, <laughs> as we prepare to watch cinema paradiso. Stephen Platt here, just letting you know about another up-and-coming project from Thought Jar Productions. It's called Atlantis. It's a science fiction radio play series that's being staged in Perth, Western Australia, between August the 21st and October the 4th. If you're a fan of comedies such as Red Dwarf, Black Adder and Blank Books, and also a fan of science fiction properties such as Doctor Who and Star Trek, then think of all of those things mashed up and set in an underwater city. That is Atlantis. If you live in the Perth area and would like to come along, please visit atlantisradioplay.com. It's going to be a very exciting and fun series, and I think that you'll all enjoy it. And for those of you listening outside of the Perth area, whether that's somewhere else in Australia or indeed international, you're not going to be left out either. Because it's a radio play, all of the performances are going to be recorded live and then redistributed as audiobooks here on the internet. So if you'd like to listen into the show, you can also get information at the following website, atlantisradioplay.com. And of course, make sure that you like the Thought Jar Productions Facebook page. There'll be updates there too. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Cinema Paradiso, and uh, by we, I of course mean Jason and Carmen Dolly, my guests today. Guys. Hello. Hey. What did we think of Cinema Paradiso? We should probably start with you, Carmen, because this was your first time watching it. What, mm. what did you think? Um, I, I really liked it. Um, it was not really the sort of film nowadays that I would seek out and watch for myself, so I'm glad I saw it, mm. um, because I don't think I would have otherwise. Um, I sort of went through a phase when I was younger of watching, you know, old films and uh, foreign language films or whatever was on SBS. And mm. I'm a bit surprised I didn't, didn't actually end up watching this by accident. Mm. This felt very much oh. like an SBS experience. Yeah, yeah. Especially down to the yellow subtitles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For those of you listening outside of Australia... Um, <laughs> You should get SBS. It's <laughs> SBS on demand. State yeah. Broadcasting Service is yes. what it yeah. stands for. It's our um, one of the two public channels that we have here. Yeah. It's more international. Kind yeah, of more international events. Yeah. yeah, and they do a lot of uh, well, foreign language cinema. Mm. And it, yeah, it was. It did have that feeling of like. I used to watch SBS a lot as like a 15, 16 year old. Yeah, it, there's yeah. a stage you go through where you just like SBS in Australia yeah, SBS for a while. Yeah, SBS is great, you, yeah. You... And particularly as at that time, that was when I was doing uh, film studies in high school and then went to university to do film. Yeah. It was very impactful there. And I saw mm. lots of films, 
that I can't remember the names of now, but I remember very distinct scenes from those films. <laughs> yeah. And this Cinema Paradiso feels like a film I probably would have encountered but didn't mm. in, in that sort of uh, coming up later on SBS, Cinema Paradiso, followed by Naked Vampires from Sweden, which, you <laughs> oh. know, because they also... Or well, that one with the motorbike turns Inspector into X. a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's always the risk, the risk, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. N- nudity-filled films mm. that come later on. Maybe uh, that's why you get into it at a I think that age. might be also part of it, yeah. You're kind of like, I can see the human be, Really, there should be a priest just ringing a bell at <laughs> yeah. all of SBS. Yeah. So um, yes, yeah, Cinema Paradiso. Look, it's uh, it's it's a tale of uh, an Italian guy uh, Salvatore who's gone on and become a big film director. Yeah, film director. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Person in film in the 1980s goes back to his hometown uh, for the funeral of somebody called Alfredo that we discover um, at the start of the film, and it's the first time he's been home in 30 years. Mm. And we most of this film takes place in flashback form where we see young Salvatore, or Toto as he's known, uh, as a young boy, growing up um, and falling in love with the cinema, and we follow him right the way up until he's in his 20s. Mm. And it, it, it's a pretty simple premise on paper, and I feel like I've seen other... I feel, I feel like I've seen this story to an extent mm. in a few different films, but this was very well told. Yeah, This yeah. is a very well put together film. Mm. Yeah. It is visually, it's stunning. It's just there's some beautiful, beautiful cinematography in it. Mm. Um, just some of the shots are fantastic. Um, yeah. I, particularly shots of the Paradiso itself. Yeah. Um, and mm. the way that we sort of moved through the church bells at the start to show you the town. That was kind of mm. like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. These cinematographers have uh, have got it. Um, but they, yeah, some of the shots of... of inside the cinema and how it moved through particularly when it was full of people it, it just gave a real sense of vibrancy and life um to to this place mm. yeah, and, yeah absolutely and it was yeah it was gorgeous mm. the other thing it also reminded me of a little bit was uh angela's ashes which i'm not sure if you've actually uh seen that I film have not seen that. no i no, haven't either okay. sorry it just is, i'm not quite sure maybe it's i'm just trying to remember when angela's ashes is set i think it's set in a different time period but obviously set in ireland but you know just um mother on her own kind of struggling this little boy you know indulging in escapism and just like living his life even though you know you're in poverty you're in a small town um yeah it's uh it i i mean it's a very different film from angela's ashes but just Mm. some of the uh some of the main character situations kind of reminded me of it yeah Mm. yeah um jason this was your first time watching this film in a few years yeah yeah i think i watched it Oh, God, when was it? I can't remember if I'm honest. But yeah, it was It was good. No, I really enjoyed it again. I think mm. for maybe different reasons. Mm. Like I've grown up a little bit more. I think one of the things I kind of liked about it before is... Um, I first originally kind of liked it for the um, kind of the cinema part and then that kind of... That kind of rebelliousness that you kind of get near the end. Mm. Like yeah. that... Uh, what is that? The angsty level of like, I must go and I've got a, the world and the, I grew up in sucks and I've got to move beyond it and so on. That yeah. kind of message I think resonated with me quite a bit when I was young. This time, I guess it's more, I'm more looking at it from the older point of view as well. So how it's more about this idea of nostalgia that kind of creates a concern, but also kind of looking at it one of the things that really struck me this time that didn't strike me so much last time, probably because I just brushed it off as a kind of maybe just a, an Italian thing, is how they're sitting there watching melodramas for the entire time, but all the characters are melodramas, well, melodramatic as well. So it's so normal people, people in, a, in a normal film, but there is, whenever the film's on or whenever you're dealing with this, the general public, there are these melodramatic characters who are acting exactly like what they're seeing on film yeah Yeah. that's a that's an interesting point yeah yeah because it's about that i think it's also kind of about the failings of melodrama in a way or and sometimes even the failing of cinema Mm. Mm. because as things go on everybody's very normal kind of watching it still quite silly and quite but then quite naive at the same time Mm. about what's actually going on and but then when the Nouveau Cinema Paradiso comes in, everything gets quite lurid and darker yeah. as things go that way. And then also you can kind of see that 
I wouldn't say morals are going down, but whether the level of the town is going down, even though it's technically kind of raising up because you're seeing it kind of leave the post-war period. Yeah. Yeah. Like early on, you see um, when they find out that his dad is is dead, Yeah, they're going past these bombed out buildings. Mm. Mm. And then as it goes on, as he grows, you see the town kind of rebuild itself and repopulate itself. The walls are fully done and f- or are fully up and they're all um, painted. Hmm. And it goes even more. And then by the time you actually see him, what, 30, 40 years later from basically the beginning of the war or the end of the war, it's gotten better. But also at the same time, you get the feeling that people are kind of feeling like it's gotten worse. Yeah. It is a very nostalgic film. Like it's, it it's pretty shameless in its in its nostalgia in a way, which is it's fine. It's interesting um, that it is so nostalgic because it's very anti-nostalgic. Well, at, at the least, same time. Yeah. Alfredo is. Alfredo is. Yeah. 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 But I, I think it's it, it's a film which allows itself to sort of dip into nostalgia and dip into that thing of movies being magic, but at the mm. same time has a very clear message through Alfredo, yeah. who's, who's obviously teaching Toto throughout the film about life and about love and about all these things, where he basically says, you know, his ultimate message is leave, don't come mm. back, and life isn't like films. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get this great overarching bit of plot brilliance, essentially, where your life's all going to make sense like it does for those characters in yeah. every film you've been watching. It's going to not make sense. It's going to be a little depressing, but you can find the beauty there if you look, mm. which is quite, it is quite a nice message. And it is, at the same time, how anti-nostalgia it is, the fact that it can still become kind of very pro-nostalgia and pro-cinema, even though in a way you can kind of see these kind of anti-cinema messages when they talk about what effect it kind of has on the crowd. Mm. He Like um, Alfredo, who is kind of the main center point for this film he even mentions it at one point quoting something from fury mm. saying you know the masses don't know what they want yeah there's not the, a brain in them the, the mob yeah. has no brain yeah the mob has no brain yeah. yeah um it yeah it's it is a really interesting film in that it chooses to present essentially both sides of these messages and kind of communicate mm. them both quite effectively yeah yeah it doesn't yeah. lean too much towards one yeah you get moments. without going yeah. to the other yeah. it's got that ambivalence there that yeah. makes it kind of the the sort of film you'd study in english class perhaps yeah, yeah. it would because um, i was sitting there watching it because i've been thinking about films that have one message hmm. and then they kind of slip back to the other one and like it does it quite well because i guess in the end its message is of ambivalence hmm. uh compared to something like the last jedi which is all about letting the past die and don't be a hero yeah but then essentially the day is solved by being a hero and kind of letting the past live again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's um, something I was kind of looking for to see whether it would trip up this second time, but it still didn't. So Mm. yeah. yeah. I also think it's interesting you you saying about, we see the town changing and we see, we see the cinema go for a change. Obviously there's the fire, the fire, which um, means that we then get the, the new version, the nouveau cinema paradiso. Mm. I almost feel as though that change, though, represents... It, it's happening side by side with Salvatore growing up. Yeah. Like, the 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 cinema paradiso before the fire is innocent. Like, all the kisses are censored. We see, you know, the priest who's going in and ringing the bell telling Alfredo to cut out that bit yeah. because mm. it's not appropriate because the cinema is owned by the church. Um, and then it burns down and it gets reborn. And it starts allowing films to be shown with kisses. And then we see that... Because uh, Mel Brooks is in charge now. Yeah. Okay. The guy who looks like Mel Brooks. Yeah, the Italian Mel Brooks, the lottery yeah. winner. He's like, yeah, kisses are fine. The the Italian lottery winner... Sorry, the uh, Neapolitan lottery winner. Yes, because you from don't mess someone from Naples. Yeah. Um, he, he basically opens a new version. And the nouveau cinema parody, so not only allows these um, more adult films, the fact that the film is changing and that, you know, audiences want to be titillated and and mm. you know things like that but we see like we and see the, we see things like the the boys in the cinema who were just openly masturbating in the front row mm. we see um the fact that there is a woman who appears to be working as a prostitute mm. in one of the back rooms and like yeah. we see that that loss of innocence at the same time that salvatore is is growing up and becoming a young man and losing yeah. his, innocence his innocence as well yeah uh, and i think it's really interesting that when we see um 
Salvatore in the 1980s when he returns that the one of the posters on the floor is essentially like a sexploitation yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting showing that what Alfredo ended up saying is that, you know, nothing ever quite stays the same and things change and they can become worse. I think it's interesting that cinema became this this sort of dirty thing, particularly in the yeah. 1970s and the 1980s, which is... Um, exploitation uh, yeah films. exploitation yes. films and you know you hear about things like in um, places in like the united states and, and other countries where they have these cinemas where they show these adult films and people will go in and and pleasure themselves mm. whilst they're watching these films mm. and that you know obviously that's something that just didn't exist before that time period yeah, yeah. and in- interestingly i don't think it's something that really exists now at the very least i don't think i've ever encountered a cinema that encourages <sighs> That, that sort of behavior no. not um, in australia at least no i think no. that okay don't don't i was gonna say i think there might be but the only reason i remember that is because fred willard from <laughs> of course uh spinal tap yeah. and wally and that all was, those things he got caught actually it's probably a while ago now it I think was, it was 2010 five, it was five six years ago yeah it was a while back i think it was 2010 or 2011 yeah because I remember he, got, um, he, he was acting indecently in public. I think is the official. Yes, <laughs> that that is. I think the yeah the official yeah. terminology. Yeah, but you know we we people of the internet these days. Yeah. You know it it does seem like it's a, it's a change yeah. with the technology. Yeah. Also, when I was in New York City with Carmen in about. 2010. Yeah, it was 2010 yeah. again. You bumped um, into Fred Willard and I said, no, no, no I, got, I got handed a lot of flyers. <laughs> okay. But only when I wasn't walking around with Carmen or Kim, who we were with. So right. obviously, okay, guy walking around on his own gets yeah. a flyer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to any Broadway shows, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was never going to get to see Wicked. <laughs> uh, but yeah. you could be Wicked I if could, you could. Yes. So, yeah, I think it is interesting that we have that, that, that sort of um, parallel between... Mm between Salvatore losing his innocence and getting interested in girls, specifically um, Elena. Mm. And I also like the fact that that romance is shown quite cinematically. Like, he's literally lying down at the outdoor festival. He's been lamenting the fact that she's been away for the summer. And he's like, if this was a movie, it would rain now, and then it rains, and he's got his eyes closed, and then all of a sudden Elena turns up and kisses him in, like, (laughs) a classic movie trope trope thing but she's yeah. just like i came back i had to sneak away yeah. and they have that lovely make-out scene whilst um uh, it's either the odyssey or jason and the argonauts is playing <laughs> it was the odyssey because yeah. he, he yeah. referred to himself as ulysses mm. at there one we go point. yeah and everyone else is running away going oh it's wet <laughs> um yeah. but yeah it's it, it is interesting that the film allows itself to sort of indulge in these moments but mm. i don't think it i don't think the film suffers for it no, no. not at all i think it's um you know it's self-referential in a way that's not it doesn't detract from the film at all. Um, it's yeah. it's just sort of like you know it's a movie, but at the same time, it's you can see a lot of real life. You know, it's you can apply experiences from your own life mm. to it. I guess my only criticism would be that it is very when it you know it's about this love story about your love for cinema, but it's done so in a way that's very male gazy. A bit, um, yeah. and by that I mean like. Uh, there's this whole cinema theory about the male gaze, which is, you know, that cinema is about men's story and the camera is through a male viewpoint. And mm. whilst, you know, men are protagonists and they get to do things, women are there to be looked at. And in this mm. film, they're there to be looked at and then they're there to be filmed and they're there to be masturbated to, you know. Yeah. Like, a, as a woman, it felt a little bit alienating, it's particularly when, you know, you're looking at this... Um, uh, the the film of Elena that he's filmed without her knowing, and you're supposed to go, oh, isn't it beautiful? You know, he was so young <laughs> and innocent, and I'm watching it going, it's a little bit creepy. Yeah, um, and mm. also the stuff of the um, the story, it is a very male centric film, mm. and it is very much like Alfredo is this sort of like father figure because obviously Toto's father died in the war. Mm. Yeah, um, it is very much who Al- gets literally described as looking like Alfredo. Yeah, exactly, oh, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. Alfredo becomes this sort of reluctant father figure, this sort of like slightly gruff, kind of like, oh, I don't want no kids. Oh, you're all right. I'll look after you, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, like Sam Neill in most mm-hmm. of his films. Yeah, yeah. It w- this would have been Sam Neill <laughs> had, it be- had it been made in New Zealand. <laughs> it was. Um, it was called Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, the um, it is very much a, a, a male coming-of-age story. Yeah, it is, very it, much it, so, yeah. it is very male-centric. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was thinking that along like during it as well I'm yeah. like this is very but I think that also plays back to my melodrama thing 
she's as melodramatic as everybody else yeah. in that town. Mm-hmm. It's him and Alfredo. It's I guess it's a very Randian way to look at the world. But, yeah. You know, we're the exceptional ones, therefore we have to go and do these things. And yeah. Alfredo's yeah. great sacrifice at the end is I've got to stay with all the normals while you get to go off and be famous. Yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. very... Yeah, and it, it yeah. I, I suppose it's reflective of Italian society at that time in that post-war era is that it it was very family orientated. Mm. So mm. you know we 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 didn't see any independent female characters, but we didn't really see many independent characters at all. At all, yeah. It was really just the the guy going, "This is my square." He was, yeah. he was the most <laughs> yeah. independent yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, and he was a slightly l- l- yeah. crazy homeless <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Um, but it was. But you are right in that sense where, like, it is very much about these female characters. It was about their relationship with men. You know, it was Alfredo's wife. I don't Mm. know if her name... Her name was said once when little Toto went to get the lunch offer. It was like... To try and go, oh, she made me go and give you a lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, all yeah, Elena was very much, like, there for, like, Salvatore to fall in love with. Mm. And the sister was a just a problem yeah the sister yeah. was just crying it was just it was she was just a thing that happened that kind of dragged him down a lot yeah, yeah. and then there was his mother who i think was arguably the only sort of independent female character in the film but she was mm. very much she was a war widow yeah so mm. her identity was mostly formed from the fact that she, she didn't have a man yeah. yeah and although i think she's you know she's a very um she doesn't remarry by the looks of it you know she's very much on her own two feet looking after these two kids and trying to help raise them and I think is more independent than I think a lot of other filmmakers at that time would have made a character like that. I still think that her identity is very much tied to the men in her life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Through her son and yeah. you know, it's it's mostly through her son. I mean She's obviously an it's about mother. him, but yeah. yeah, it's it's through her eyes that we see her really. Mm. And I guess it's just, you know, um, you know, and comparing it to the most recent uh, film about cinema that we did watch, which was Hugo, which, mm-hmm. you know, was obviously made in a different culture, different time period. Mm. You know, it's it's not a coming-of-age film. 60s America, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very no, much not a, not a coming-of-age film. It's about kids. Sorry, I got Hugo <laughs> and The Shape of Water confused in my head. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, no, I haven't seen Shape of Water, but I yeah, think I mentioned um, Shape of Water earlier. Yeah, no, so. Hugo yeah. is the, um, the 1930s... France. France, yeah. Uh, yeah Georges yeah. Méliès. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's this guy? He's the guy that kind of invented cinema. <gasps> oh, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. yeah and we had his wife, Helen McCrory. <laughs> yeah. We actually covered that one on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, With, um, A Voyage to the Moon. Yes, yeah. and in terms of films about cinema, I think this is much better than Hugo. Yes, now, yeah. it's it, a more like, enjoyable film. Yeah, now absolutely. Hugo, I quite enjoyed when I first saw Hugo, but when we rewatched it for the podcast, I kind of went, this isn't as good good as i remember it and it had already aged in the five or six years since it had been released and when we reviewed it and it's not a bad film it's just not exactly a great film whereas i can i can see why people rave about cinema paradiso yeah 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 yeah. mind you with um with hugo i was always surprised that by the end it didn't turn out that hugo was an automaton he did look like one (laughs) yeah i always thought that was meant to be the trick at the end is when he's talking to hugo about the automaton that he's working on it's meant to I don't know, in a weird M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, mm. nom, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, kind of twist. It was that Hugo was the automaton. But to be mm. fair, Jace, that's your that's your um, alternate ending for everything. For that's a lot your, of things. That's yeah. your yes. alternate ending for The Matrix as well, isn't it? Yes, that <laughs> Neo, is... Neo is the, actually the only one that's a machine in that and he's being taught not to rebel against humans. Ah, anyway, a much better ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, back, to the, back to the movie where we're doing. Opposed, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, and... Yeah. It, it, it was quite nice seeing, obviously, uh, lots of films have, have done this, but seeing the use of very old films, like seeing mm. these crowds reacting to like a Chaplin film from like 20 or 30 years previously, mm. seeing Laurel and Hardy posters. and Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it It was quite nice seeing those things. But but it's all it's also something that I feel as though is an interesting trick by filmmakers because anything with the history of cinema, you obviously have to go, right, well, we have this footage so we can show what people were showing at the time. But I also think it's a way of going... Whenever I say Laurel and Hardy, I feel better just in general. Mm. And now I have that emotion associated with Cinema Paradiso <laughs> because they showed me Laurel and Hardy. So your nostalgia is kind of kicking in. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, but I'm. But now it's going to be like when I remember this film, I'm going to remember that feeling. But do I have to remember that that feeling is artificial 
because mm. they're using a different film <laughs> yeah. to make me feel yeah, that Yeah, a way. different, better film. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I'm always slightly wary of films that do that. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, I mean, this is a film about cinema. You can't not have the cinema. Yeah. You can't not have... Um, you know all this this footage, particularly when it ties into the plot with mm. with the way this film ends. Um, you know, after Alfredo has um, has died and he's left a final gift for Toto, um, which um, Anna, his his wife, um, gives gives to Toto, mm. and he goes back to Rome and he watches it in like you know a then you know modern sort of eighties projection room, yeah. and it's just all the old film footage that. He's that was censored yeah. and he's put together and it's played because of what he said as a uh, as when Toto was young, yeah. Saying, like, Look, oh, you can have yeah. it, it's yours, but you don't get to come back here and I get to keep it, yeah. <laughs> and in a way, that sums up the film. And yeah. I, I really like it when, when films do that, and yeah. Good callbacks, that yeah, are yeah, underlined hugely. Yeah. They made that promise in the first 10 minutes of the film and they fulfilled it. They and, Chekhov's gun that, yeah. And it was, I, I don't know about you guys, I found that very moving. That that just seeing all of those like old cinematic kisses put together and seeing Toto's reactions to them, mm. I thought that was actually like. It, it, I found it very moving. I thought that it was you know it was it not only was it that promise fulfilled and it was images of you know affection and love which are very nice to see, mm. but I think it was also alfredo being a very sort of world weary grumpy character who like you know tells these stories like the soldier who stood under the window for 99 days and then walked off and like Mm. saying you know i don't trust blue-eyed women and just being very distrustful of things that are romantic finishing with a romantic montage as like his final communication with this this boy that he essentially helped raise Mm. i just thought was a it was beautiful. I really, really loved that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. Um. It was a really touching moment. I think. Yeah. 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 I. I don't know if I. I felt it a lot less the second time around. Maybe it's kind of the Hugo effect that you yeah, had. Yeah. I might watch that. I'm a bit like, what were they doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get. I get where it was going, but at the same time, it felt like the romanticism of it wasn't really meant to be the message, mm. and yeah. so I felt a little cheapened by it. Also. And this is probably good a time as any is that there is a director's cut, mm. which yes. I when Stephen asked me to be on this, I warned him, don't get that one, yeah, because it muddies the water, something cruel. Yeah, and the general consensus from my research beforehand is that the the original cut is is the better version, mm-hmm. uh, or is at least the version that seems to be enjoyed more yeah. by more people. Um, so, what happens with the director's cut? Well, so with the director's cut. Um, I'm running off mostly from memory and I have kind of half double checked it, but essentially just before the end of um, the film, when he's about to go back, I think it might even be during the funeral procession. He sees a girl that looks like, was it Elena? Uh, Yeah, Elena. Elena, sorry, Elena. And he kind of is surprised and confused and follows her. And it turns out to be Elena's daughter. Oh, okay. So Elena has married a... I think he might have married the, the Sean Aston looking guy that you were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that he had the fight with in the school. Yeah, the yeah. one, yeah, that they, when they, they both ran to go and grab something of hers to give to her. Yeah. I think she ends up with him and he's become like a mildly successful politician okay. in the local area. And they talk and they he gets cross. And it turns out that Alfredo told her basically what he told Toto and said, like, look, if you love him, don't bring him back because he's got better things to do in the world that aren't you. So, you know, jog on kind of like, you know, if you love him, leave him. Okay. And he um, took that and he got angry and they yell at each other for a bit and then they have sex in a car and then then he tries to make her come back to Paris, not Paris, um, Rome with with Mm. him. And she says no. Mm. And then he goes back. And then he um, watches the film. Okay, so that okay. kind of changes it, doesn't it? That does change it quite a bit. And it, yeah. But it doesn't, it, it almost falls even further into your trap of the the, ma- the masculine gaze. Yeah. In a way, while still trying to step out of it. Yeah, but it so doesn't it's, even it's do almost that. like his, uh, I mean, it, it, it does leads into almost like this like... idea that this young love is nostalgia in a way, and it's much more permanently put in, but at the same time, it's like, we don't need this part of the film because it also makes yeah. Toto look like a scumbag. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that famous actress you were talking about is, I think, old Eleanor. Yeah, uh, Bridget Fossey. Yeah, okay, yeah. Is is who was uh, playing that part? But yeah, it's it's one of those. I'm glad that's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, it, I mean, it does without, really change it without seeing it. I mean, I I might go and I might find the extended cut and watch it, and I might see it and change my mind. But instinctively, I quite like the fact that because this is essentially showing Toto's coming of age. I think heartbreak is an important part of that. Yeah. And and I think having Elena essentially be this, to, to borrow a quote from, from um, Black Books, you know, his summer girl, you know, yeah. supposed to <laughs> walk around the field and put daisies in, in her hair and things like that. I think it's, it's even though it's still quite male gazy, mm. I think if you're going to go male gaze, do it. And in that case, yeah. having having Elena is this memory and the fact that I think that makes it more impactful watching that old home footage that he took of her mm. yeah. and remembering his his youth without him then going and finding her and like airing those feelings yeah and yeah. literally just yeah. sitting there going you know mm. having your character say how that feel that makes me angry yeah yeah so it, it also I think would yeah really impact the structure of the film because in this you've got like three nice acts um, you know, where he's a little boy and he's then he's a teenager and then he goes back for the funeral. It's yeah. quite a nice, you know, triad. And, but it, would, would... it just extends that adult, like the older bit, which is quite short in comparison to the young and then the middling mm. Toto. Yeah, but, but I feel for a film, you know, so focused on nostalgia and, and growing up, it's you almost don't really need a long third act. No, you don't. And I think, and I think that's the point because... Nostalgia, love becomes a synonym for nostalgia in this. Yeah, with it because it's everything's kind of wrapped up in there, and even the romance bit at the end. Like I don't know about you, but I felt more like it's a reflection of his relationship with Alfredo, um, in terms of the love and the not the romantic love, but this kind of the love and the power yeah. is t- more to the relationship with Alfredo than yeah, it is absolutely. to. To any kind of to Eleanor, woman, yeah, yeah to, to to the woman, like it is to essentially the man who made him who he is, yeah. And then to have that bit, that extra, whatever thirty minutes or so, kind of shoved in there, it kind of destroys that and makes that even that end scene would look worse mm. if it was because he'd just gotten it off with a married woman and is um, kind of mopey about that still, which yeah. is exactly how it would have shown. Yeah, yeah and that also was... that his relationship with Alfredo is then complicated by that fact that... Mm. Alfredo, Alfredo sabotaged that, it. Yeah. Like, he could have had a different... Like, literally just as happy a life, possibly, yeah. if he'd stayed with Eleanor or not. We don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, but we... Alfredo made this call, and apparently... That's okay. That's the okay, f- yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we hear through um, Maria, Toto's mother, in that last scene they have in that kitchen... He hasn't settled down. He he's you know she's like it's a different woman every time on the phone and mm. Mm. you know I want you to be happy and I want you to do that but I also know you have to live your life and yeah. you know I I like that even though she it's not it's not what she would like for her son she doesn't say settle down with someone it's this is what I think would be great but you have to live your own life yeah she even says like you know you're right not to come back yeah in a way yeah and I think it's. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very glad that the film is as it's currently structured. Yeah, um, the, it was originally when it was released in Italy, it was the full version. Yeah, it didn't get very, it wasn't very popular in Italy. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, apparently, and then when they cut it down and released it for cans and whatnot, mm. that's where everyone was like, "Ah, oh, there you go," because you know a shorter film is easier to sell. Yeah, yeah, a less complex film as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it keeps the message simpler. It is, and the message is quite simply cinema. Yeah, and cinema. It's great. Youth, <laughs> yeah. yeah, cinema and coming of age. Yeah, ta-da. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they do go well together sometimes, and I think yeah. this is just a really, it's just really well put together. And you mm. know, when you see the cinema being blown up at the end, um, the guy with the motorbike who's somehow on the inside of the barrier. <laughs> yeah, he just rides in. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to get me some bricks. Yeah, it's uh, build my own one. The nouveau nouveau <laughs> cinema parody. So, um, but yeah, it's it's like it is quite sad because you see that community all stood around there they're all older but in some cases looking younger despite the fact they're older. yeah some people just got like you know a few more crow's eyes and then gray hair and somehow that made them look younger yeah. to me. i don't know um maybe it's because they're in more modern clothing possibly it's yeah. that yeah it's that it's that thing of like people from olden times look older because they're wearing old old man's clothes or old yeah. ladies clothes yeah 
Um, but yeah, because they're twenty and they had their belt right up at their belly button. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> enough about your fashion choices. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah, it it was quite sad seeing you know the old the old cinema owner and um, mm. and a couple of the familiar faces all just stood there watching this thing crumble. And but... the um, the main usher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it took me a little while to realize who that was. Yeah, so. and it's like it was sad, but at the same time, like. I, you know, this film is about the fact that life just sort of happens and that sadness mm. is part of that. And also, mm. the cinema had been closed for six years and, you know, it was like everyone had moved on. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. And it it was interesting, though, seeing when it was vibrant and when people were in there. Like, I thought it was just really interesting seeing the fact that, obviously, you know, they showed shots of a, a young mother breastfeeding. They showed... Um, the, the couple with a very public display of affection <laughs> stood up the back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there's that couple that kind of falls in love yeah. during yeah. it. And the, that was um, lovely. the Ron Swanson Italian yeah, guy. Yeah, um, Ronaldo Swanzini. He, yeah. Um, yeah, he catches the eye of this woman in the upper balcony. The next time we see them, they're sat together in the upper balcony. They're at the destruction of the cinema, still together and still smiling. Which, yeah, yeah. They, I think they, I think it's during the um the funeral procession. Yeah. Like he um Toto looks back and they wave at him knowingly like, you know, you're yeah. the reason we got together. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, there are these little stories which happen which are nice. You've got the guy who keeps threatening to turn people into mincemeat because he falls asleep yeah. and they play tricks <laughs> on There's him. a spitting guy? I don't yeah. know what the hell that was about. Just a guy who was in the just upper class. A who jerk. Upper which thing. is where I guess it is upper classy thing because they do call him like a pencil pusher and yeah. whatnot. Mm. Yeah. And then they throw crap at him. Yeah, literally. Literally, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, um, that was but unpleasant. I guess that leads into that melodrama. Even when um, when things are happening, that everybody's over exaggerated and silly. And I don't know I th- the way I read it whether it's that is what Italian films are like or mm. certain styles of Italian films. But I read that as kind of the melodrama is being lived because people are essentially copying what they see, mm. which is yeah, why yeah. when things get more lurid, they get more lurid. Yeah, That's and a when good things point. are sad they are sad yeah yeah i did quite like the the guy who was just quoting along with the film yeah yeah just yeah. sat there just crying going like <laughs> it was yeah it was really yeah. lovely as long um, as you don't actually do that in the simmers yeah or, or condone that behavior oh of course not <laughs> no, no one should ever enjoy themselves in a public space no, no. but like your enjoyment should not impact on other people's that's enjoyment. true that's yeah. true yeah no and it's Look, I think he was doing his very best to try and keep it contained. Like <laughs> nobody was really turning around and going shh, you know, or anything yeah. to him. But yeah. it would have been. But very they annoying. all talk, especially when it was the old cinema. It yeah. was always. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I also interaction. I guess yeah. it's because it's still left over from cinema is the evolution of theatre. Yeah. Well, in a pa- way yeah, pantomime, and, pantomime, uh, and, yeah. and yeah. vaudeville. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that were like people just stood up watching the film the fact that like occasionally like you'd see like all the ushers just sat down on the floor mm. watching the film at a good bit those sorts of things yeah, or really just all the kids piled up at the front for some of them yeah, yeah. um and and yeah it was it was really just interesting seeing that that life and seeing that mm. that that vibrancy that they showed which again feeds it it's possibly was enhanced to uh, to be positive because it was nostalgia you know it was showing yeah. like this is the way things used to be and we don't do that anymore yeah and speaking of kind of enhancement uh, one of the things we haven't talked about is kind of the accident as well yeah um and one of the things i noticed re-watching it a second time is that the action for when everything's on fire and when alfredo's on fire and whatnot mm. it's um sped up Okay. Oh, it's okay. spend like it. I don't know what frame rate it's at, but it, it it's faster. I think it might be closer to what the old timey records used to be. Mm. Mm. Um, so it felt like a faster frame rate or a, or a slower frame rate, something to make it kind of go. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if I, or at least I felt like that. Yeah. And then one of my favorite shots from when I first watched it, and I didn't even barely catch it last time, is the flames coming out the mar- oh, the, the lion's the lion, mouth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was very effective. Yeah, yeah, that was good. There was also that weird bit that I completely forgot about where it roars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, it, I really like that because it's just like... It's in very Muppets. No, but it, it's just like how a kid's mind works. Yeah, as yeah. Well, yeah. If, if that's a line, it should roar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's scary. I honestly yeah. thought it was going to be the um, the studio that has the line roaring. It was just Yeah, they're going to turn oh, around and it's MGM. Yeah. yeah. There, there is a fantastic video on YouTube, actually, if you like old cinema. There's a 10-minute um, video going through the history of the MGM lion. Oh, yeah. Really interesting. Like, because they've had about six different lions. You know, they had mm. one for silent film and then they had one for sound and one for color and you know, one 
for this, one for that. It's it's really interesting. Mm. Did they ever do one with the cowardly line from uh, Wizard of Oz? Oh, Bert La? Yeah. Uh, not as far as I'm aware. Would have been no. great. Oh, what's the film? Because oh. <laughs> um, MGM's kind of gone now. It shut up shop about yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Because it only had, like, the only thing MGM essentially had going for it for a while there was the Bond films. Mm. And then kind of around then they sold it off or they got rid of it or they did something with it. Mm. And then they kind of just went down the drain because they only had two franchises. And then they... The last film I remember seeing the MGM line in is the Hobbit films. Oh, okay. Um, because I think MGM still had the rights, so they got to put their name mm. somewhere. But that I think it. MGM's essentially yeah. either like you know taken into Viacom or another company. And then now. six years later, everyone stood around as the MGM offices were blown up. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> the then everybody looked around. at each other. This line is mine. <laughs> this line is mine. I just imagine the guys looking their sad looks back, and there's a line, and just nods knowingly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, looks over and there's a black and white line that roars and nothing comes out and, <laughs> and the first line is just looking around very confused and not roaring and just like what the hell is going on here <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about this film yes sure. please excellent my every week we do a trivia troll through imdb there's not a lot for cinema parody so i'll no. admit there's there's only there's only about 16 points and i, I picked out the a couple mm-hmm. so but yeah so um if anyone has trivia about that film and you want to add it please do um <laughs> So Giuseppe Tornatore, uh, his intention with making this film was that it should serve as an obituary for traditional movie theatres like the one in the film and for the movie industry in general. After the movie's success, he never mentioned this again. So I think it was interesting that going into it, this this head creative figure had this mindset of like cinema is dead, cinema is, is no more, or at least cinema as as he knew it. Mm. And the film got successful and he went, ah, oh, no, cinema's fine. Yeah, cinema's <laughs> fine. It's also very interesting watching it from a modern point of view and it's just like, oh, cinema's dead. Everyone just watches videos nowadays. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And tapes. Not, not really the case no, nowadays. There's but... also something I always notice about kind of most periods, like m- about 50 years ago, like the 50s to stuff like that. You kind of sit there watching what they're doing going must have been really boring mm. like i look you look at like Mad Men is an example of what they do is like they just stand around smoking cigars and trying to watch these like you know horrible cabaret acts where mm. nothing happens it's like this is entertainment for you guys yeah cinema i think like the cinema mostly is good but even some of the yeah, humor it, was like in the, it, it was a golden age of cinema it was yeah. but in the same time the humor that they're using you're sitting there just going i don't like it's just silly mm. more yeah. than it is actually entertaining or poignant or just or good even by our standards but that may just be because of our standards like yeah. there's that one video everybody's rolling around in their eyes and this this guy kind of just making these funny points at something and yeah. like rolling his eyes around it's like i guess because it's all new at that point like yeah. we we stand on the shoulders of giants even in our humor like we get more and more so we demand yeah. more and very... again it's it's drawing on vaudeville and yeah. stuff yeah. as well where that kind of humor was was very predominant but i mean he mm. did have a very funny face yeah he <laughs> did have und- a funny face undeniably i kind of wanted to know what film that was if i'm totally honest because mm. it was still kind of interesting but at the same time a lot of the other stuff you're like okay yeah. this is this is just there yeah mm. the film was shot in uh, sicily in a town called bagaria uh, which was the hometown of Giuseppe Torotone, the director, um, who... It is a bit autobiographical Yeah, the, the film is a autobiographical. Bit. Yeah. Really, Jason? Just write what you know, mate. Just write what you know, <laughs> Giuseppe. Yeah, this, this film is is based on like a lot of his childhood experiences he used to draw on. I think maybe a lot of the vignettes was, was what got drawn on. Mm. Um, you, you know, like, like those little stories in the cinema, those little, like, the couple meeting and things like oh, yeah. that. I yeah. feel as though the fact there were so many of these little touches which just layered the film. We were saying that the film felt a, a little bit like a Miyazaki film to an extent, where there wasn't a huge amount of plot happening, like a Studio Ghibli, uh, like mm. a, uh, Kiki's Delivery. Yeah, series. that was the one we kept comparing it yeah, to. But it, was, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. And like you were enjoying learning more about this town. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was fun. But at the same time, not a huge amount happening, which was kind of Alfredo's point mm. yeah. to an extent. Like this, yeah. And I guess... That is his point. Like he, he is right because Salvatore does go and become a famous director, yeah. but it does still kind of annoy that it kind of feels like the other people's lives are worthless because they don't understand it. 
Yeah. Like they go and watch the exact same thing you do and you like it, but they don't get it like you do. So yeah. that's really, it's a message that I don't want to forget when I'm watching it as well, because it's quite easy to sit there just going, because it is a bit of an undemocratic view of cinema in a lot of ways. Yeah. That, you know, only certain people get the right things out of cinema. Everybody else just gets the lurid happiness or mm. the silly giddiness or get to look down on the characters. Yeah. 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 So Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Giuseppe Torotoni, he had a cameo in this film. He's the guy who's operating the projector for um, the final scene. So showing all the stuff Alfredo edited oh, together. Okay. Oh, so okay. he's Yeah, he's the guy who's putting it in and probably going, what's this pervert watching? Yeah. He's watching all these old kisses. And, and <laughs> oh, wait, nudies. that's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's me. Oh, Matt's <laughs> Whoa. Um, and the final bit of trivia here. Um, by the end of 1956, which is around the time that... Um, uh, Salvatore is mm. is leaving to go to Rome. Uh, Italy had the largest network of cinemas in the whole of Europe. There mm. were seventeen thousand cinemas oh. in wow. Italy, and we saw that culture. You know, we saw the culture of uh, like the fact when um, obviously the lottery winner from Naples, he ended up owning two cinemas, and they had to cycle the films between. Yeah, he owned, yeah. he owned <laughs> the next um, yeah. town over. Yeah. And also, I just really love the fact that we spoiler culture was a problem even back then. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tell you how it ends. No! no! <laughs> um, but yeah, it was... Italy is is a very cinema-literate country. It's a, yeah. it's a country which is very much embraced mm. film as, as a medium. And I, I think... I, I think that's partly why cinema Paradiso works so well. It does. And yeah. one, one thing I, I just wanted to maybe mention that with Carmen is one of Carmen and my favourite pastimes is watching uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000, mm. which if anybody hasn't doesn't know what that is, it's essentially these guys looking at horribly bad films from yeah. any time... Be- Hello, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Yes, Mandy the cat has some points. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they're all about food, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but... We watch it, and there's a lot of Italian films in there mm. um, that because they just produce so much mm. at the same mm. time, and they'd be dubbed back into English, which would make them worse in a way. Yeah, so it seems like they would be filmed, yeah, filmed in Italy with Italian actors and, and then, directors and directors, and but then produced dubbed, with American, yeah, dubbed in America. Yeah, with or without the same actors. Like there was yeah. one which is a really good episode called Star Crash oh, with yes. uh, Christopher Plummer yeah. and We've David Hasselhoff. I've, yeah, yeah, I've watched Star Crash yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yeah. what a terrible, what a terrible film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so filmed in Italy, and all the cast did their own um, voices in, in English, in Italian. Yeah, but then uh, I think they only got two or three of the original actors to do their voices in English. You sure? Because that was the one with Hasselhoff. Yeah, no, that was the one. um, What's her name? The Caroline... Caroline Monroe. Yeah. Yeah, She didn't actually do her own voice in English. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So because they'd have that every now and then if they had an English actor. Mm. They'd have that and then they'd just... Everybody else would be speaking Italian to him and he'd just read the English lines because the mouths don't matter. No. Yeah. In this, which is, I think you were wanting to mention, like this debate about dubbed versus. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. I'm going to be asking all of our guests over the uh, the month that we're doing these foreign language films. Do you have a preference? We watched with subtitles. Um, do you have a preference? Would you Would you have preferred this film were it dubbed as opposed to subtitled? I think there's a big difference in quality of dubs. Mm. They can be done very well. Um, when I was in Germany. They dub. There's a there is a culture of people who like the subs and people who like the dubs, mm. and but almost everything that I watch on television will have been dubbed. Mm. So I've watched, um, I've watched you know Gallipoli, David Weir's Gallipoli, mm. in like dubbed into German. Okay. Um, I've seen I saw, I saw Batman and Robin for the first time in that, and I was actually sat there going. This isn't a bad film. Like, I think the, the the voice actors in Germany were giving it a bit more oomph than like Arnold Schwarzenegger and George Clooney did. Mm. Um, but I think when it's done well, and Kiki's Delivery Service, which is one of my favorite Japanese films, mm. uh, well, Miyazaki films, I prefer that with the English dubs because I feel like those actors are giving it a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, Carmen, what do you think? I think when I'm when I'm watching a foreign film for the first time, I prefer subtitles because it's going to give you a closer idea of what mm. it should look like and it should sound like. What it's, it's closer to the director's original intention. Um, that being said, I feel like a lot of times with dubs, 
there's some really good voice work and some really good character interpretations that you might be missing out on if you mm. don't listen to a dub. Mm. So again, going back to Kiki's delivery service, um, uh, the part of Gigi the cat mm. is voiced by a Japanese woman mm. and she's got like a very delicate female voice in the Japanese version. Whereas in the English dub that we watched, it was Phil Hartman. Mm. So it's a very different... Troy McClure. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very different take on the character and they're both really good interpretations. And the characters so I feel, meant- Yeah, if you limit yourself to one, mm. you might miss out on some some really good, you know, okay. character yeah, work. Yeah, I, so. I honestly think that, yeah, quality depends. Yeah. Like you can... I think subs easier to do in terms of that but then also like even in this the the speed at which they talk and the tempo in which they talk don't doesn't translate as well into english yeah mm. so you can not totally see mm. um this idea of the subtitles like can't really give you too much mm. emotion because you're trying to listen to the italian sometimes to yeah. hear the emotion yeah but the Italian emotion that, you know, is different to what we expect. Yeah. When you look at, we were, you know, talking about Game of Thrones at one point when they have the Valyrian and the Dothraki, it's still English actors reading a fake foreign language. So the, the lilting is right. Yeah. Like when you hear Daenerys talking about how she's going to burn everything, she sounds like she's going to burn, burn everything, everything because yeah. she's giving it from a English perspective, like a you know, our language displays emotion in these certain ways, and she's using those ways even though she's in this other language. While Italian will express it in a different way because that's linguistic as much as cultural, yeah. Mm. And we don't pick up on that as much. Like the guy is like you know, every now and then he's kind of sitting there yelling at a kid, and you know, shaking the kid, and he'll be saying something not that bad. Yeah, it's a bit like when very young Toto tells him to get stuffed according oh, to the yes. subtitles. Yeah. He was not saying get stuffed yeah. in Italian. <laughs> he was being a bit ruder. I mean, for me, with the sub versus dub thing, uh, on the mm. specific example of something like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service versus Cinema Paradiso, mm. I think animation versus something that is captured on film that, makes yeah. a difference. Mm. I, my, that is a very good point yeah, because I, it's already being dubbed yeah. from blank. Yeah, because yeah. it's I, not I, someone's performance. I, I feel as though I prefer subtitles when it comes to the filmed... Um, live action. Live action thing, because you, you can you can hear those intonations, and even though it might not be an intonation that I'm used to culturally, I feel as though I get more out of that than if it was dubbed. Whereas obviously with animation, you essentially almost have like a fresh go at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Animation the, is the way that they get a lot of emotion across. Yeah, so I feel as though, because we use a bit more universal uh, symbols in animation mm. i feel as though that that might be one of my preference i don't mind a subbed animation but i feel as though dubbing is more um to get form you, in you, a well, way yeah yeah exactly so yeah it's it's an interesting one and we'll see what others think as we progress yeah. um before we score the film um the german for protector is Winkelmesser. Yes, Yay. it is. So I remembered something. There you go, Mrs. <laughs> Jarrett. I wasn't useless. It um, sounds like a character from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. was the... <laughs> Mr. Winkelmesser. Yeah. Yeah, the Winkelmessers Vinkel, <laughs> taste like Winkelmessers. Um, but yes, so... I imagine that was the name that Slugworth used when he was like in person like trying to sneak into the Augustus Gloop family. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, this is Mr. Winkelmesser. Yeah. Hey, Winkelmesser. Mm. Uh, so, let's score the film. Um, Carmen, we'll start with you. This was your first time watching Cinema Parody, so what score would you give it out of 10? Um, let's go eight censorship bells out of 10. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what about you, Jason? I am probably... I'm actually... Yeah, I think I'm kind of dropping a bit. I'm going to get it seven signs saying fine at the end of the film to yeah. influence your decision-making out of 10. Yeah, I think that's how Italians say finish. But it, yeah, it, no, it, it's fine. No, it's yeah. fine. Just at the end of the film, it's yeah. just fine. fine. <laughs> it was fine. Shut up. It was fine. Just no, it was fine. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's a very good film. Um, it's one of those that I don't know how soon I would go and rewatch it. There's mm. certain films yeah. where I watch it and I go, I'm ready to go again right now. And there's others where I'm going, once is enough for this lifetime. Yeah. Uh, this is, Maybe a decade. Yeah. yeah. This one, yeah, I could go probably a solid like three to five years without watching it. I think it'd be, it'd be good to watch it again when you are older and you'll start yeah. looking at it more. When from, my hair's grey. Yeah, when your I'm, hair's grey. My mum's complaining that it's a different woman on the phone every time. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, I would have to give this film, I'm going to have to give it eight. Um, 
masturbating boys out of ten. <laughs> I knew uh, you were going to yeah. do that one. I just, yeah. It just, look, I couldn't help it, and neither could they. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end. We're of... not angry, Stephen. We're just disappointed. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, if you show them a raging one-eyed cyclops in the outdoor film, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna think about things related. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that does bring us to an end of this surprisingly <laughs> adult uh, yeah. review of the cinema parody. So, um, Jason and Carmen, thank you very much for joining me. <laughs> thank you, You're Stephen, welcome, for Stephen. having us. And uh, for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening. If you are uh, enjoying this, let us know. You can leave us a comment on Facebook and go, hey, great job, gang. Or you can hit subscribe uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud and uh, tell your friends and say, these guys are doing a great job. Or Fine. Yeah, fine. Just send us fine in capital letters. <laughs> or you can go to uh, our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and become an official uh, member of the Cinema Catch-Up Club and tell us fine there as well. <laughs> uh, but that's all for this week. So until next time, fine. <laughs> <laughs>